Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Happy New Year. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Liu, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation and wife to Dr. Sammy. Um, and to kick off the new year, we're revisiting the story of the prodigal son. And if you're unfamiliar with it, don't worry, we have scripture coming your way with this podcast. But the Father's heart is a is a real beautiful thing in the sense that in this narrative, the father that's waiting for his son who returns back home has been waiting patiently and lovingly for his arrival. And so I think this really captures the way in which God waits for each and every one of us. And if you feel that you're in the tension of being lost and found, which I'm sure each and every one of us have, um, this is a really great message to hear about how we can play a part and play make an effort really to bridge the gap between those that feel like they can identify with the prodigal son. Whether it's like we beat ourselves up for some of the bad decisions we made or things that we've said, relationships that were lost, there is hope for rejoining God and walking with God again in your faith journey. And we just wanted to kick off this new year and this new decade with this vision from Dr. Sammy because uh, it's something very dear to my heart and I'm sure to the heart of many that feel like they can identify with this story. And so, um, yeah, we're excited to start 2020 with all of our listeners and with our community. And without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 33. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. 
Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Did you guys have a good new year? Hopefully not too hungover. You didn't drink too much. Because over the last decade, I love New Year and everything, but all these celebrations, I've gotten my share of drunk texts from our very community. <laughs> And because I don't want to embarrass anyone or name them, I just found some drunk text I could find online. Let's put this one up here. Uh, this one says, I was, uh, the text is bro. <laughs> I wasn't that drunk. I drove myself home. Dude, don't even try denying it, question mark. I drove you home while you were dr drove with a paper plate. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a dream. Idiot. <laughs> I got a lot of these uh, odd texts during New Year's before, um, you know, New York City, or big cities, is a microcosm of all things stupid. And all the shenanigans you can get yourself into. And in the beginning of the year, I think this is a good reminder why, the question why, we 180 are here in the center of the city. In the, probably the, one of the most expensive real estate in New York, in you, near Union Square, near NYU, they're buying up everything. That's why your tuition is amazingly high. But why the city desperately needs a community adjoining God to restore the beauty in all things? Why? In the beginning of the year, it's, it's important to know why you're sitting here and what we're doing here to refocus our vision. Why? And as I was praying fervently in my chair, this came to mind, hot like blank. I'm sorry to bring 2016 back, but it just came to mind. You know, sorry to bring Drake for those of you who don't like Drake, but 2016, was very memorable, right? And Drake says, 
I think that captures the microcosm of everything stupid, all things stupid in this city. You know, I, like I said many times, the city is a microcosm of, of all things good, the best of us and the worst of us. But I think Hotline Blank sort of captures metropolitan culture well in these lines. Right? You guys remember this, right? Call me on the self. Right? You guys remember that? <laughs> My son Josh used to listen to this every day. It got annoying. But ever since I left the city, you got a reputation for yourself now. Everybody knows, and I feel left out. Girl, you got me down. You got me stressed out. Because ever since I left the city, you <laughs> started wearing less and going out more. Glasses of champagne out on the dance floor, hanging out with girls I've never seen before. Why are we here in Manhattan when we could be out to brunch? And I love brunch. Those are competing commitments sometimes. Because in the great city, in the big city, when there's just a right amount of loneliness and stress plus cocktails, a few of them, you make decisions that are bad. We, we've, we've done quali qualitative studies, empirical studies on the bigness of the city and the microcosm of loneliness being compounded. This is a city that takes people in and chews them out. Everybody comes optimistic, but eventually people end up doing really dumb things. Tell someone, people do dumb things. Tell them, I have done them. I've done them myself. How many people have done dumb things? Raise your hand if you've done dumb things. How many really dumb things? Raise your hand really up high. Really dumb things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of you. All of you. Don't, don't lie. Some of you people right. Kego, stop lying, okay? Yeah. I mean, the reason why a community of faith must, at the center of the city, reminding people, even if, they seem far away. And let me just tell you, in the, in when the right amount of loneliness and stress plus alcohol equals regret, many decisions of regret and shame. And the loneliness gets even compounded after we make these decisions. People are left like the walking dead in the city. And it could seem like you don't need faith. But when the going gets rough, that's when people begin to look up. And that's why we're here. To offer forgiveness, to offer healing, to offer encouragement. Tell someone next to you, I'm here for you. Right? That's what we need. When you, when, that's what you need when you're chewed up and discouraged. And you feel even shame. That's what happened to the prodigal son. He thought he knew better. That's why everyone comes to the city. They think they know what they want. And most of the time they don't get what they want. So they settle for other things. And it leaves them a lot of times in despair. 
And some of you here that are married now, engaged, look at the people, man, why don't you get your life together, you know? But I remember, I've been here for a decade, remember? I remember you guys being there, too. So, hot light bling, you'd be like, hot light bling, that's so stupid. <laughs> you were hot light bling, what are you talking about? <laughs> the city has transitions. You know, you, you were once there, or, or sometimes people listening to this message, you are there right now. The tension of those two things, of being lost and found, is exactly why the church must exist. It's the reason for its existence. And that's the question I want to answer today. Why the, the center of the city desperately needs a community of faith that is joining God to restore the beauty in all things. Once again this year. Amen? All right, so let's look at this text. So Jesus continued in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of estate. And, and that's so important in verse 12. Father, give me my share of estate. So he divided his property between them. You know, you could read that and be like, oh, yeah. Any of you go to your dad and be like, hey, give me my inheritance now? That's like saying, I want you dead. Because all I want is your money so I could do what I want to do. Anybody would do that? I would never do that, tell that when well, my parents are both gone. But if I did that, I would be dead too. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what this text is. If you want to contextualize it, that's what it means. And, and I mean, how many people here say things that you don't mean when you're angry? Raise your hand. How many times have you said things to to your spouse that you didn't mean, but you were angry. You said some mean things. Don't raise your hand. I know already. I know. Or, or how many times have you broken up couples? <laughs> because you said something mean. You, you, didn't, you didn't mean it, but you said it. And here's the thing. A lot of people like to intellectualize faith. But human beings in the end, let me just tell you, the, the great philosophers, Plato, Socrates, they're from Greece, okay? They're smarter than all of us combined. Their IQ is like higher than everybody else here. Doesn't matter if you're from Columbia or whatever, NYU, okay? They have a collective IQ higher than all of us combined, period. But look at Greece, right? They've defaulted on their debt. They take naps every day. They don't, you know, they don't go to work. They default and they're dead again. Why? Because appetite usually beats logic. Human beings are existential. We're visceral. We like to think we're rational, but really, look at the world. Is anything rational today? No. So we say things we don't mean, and even when it comes to faith, 80% of the United States believe in God. When they come to the city, go, I don't believe in God anymore. Just like in this text, the son says, you're dead to me. All I want is your money. And people here, come on, guys, I want you to know, don't be offended by people who say, I'm an atheist now. I know, I know someone from our own community, well, they're not here anymore. They say they're, they were, I'm a Christian now. No, I'm an atheist like every other month. And I was like, what's wrong with you, bro? But because we're, there's this emotional turbulence that takes place when, you're, when you have a lot of stress and you're under a lot of pressure. And I, and I tell you the story because I thought this story was funny. It's, it's a, has a philosophical bent. You know, um, 
So there's a student who went to school, you know, top 50. And then he tells his youth pastor when he comes back home on break, he goes, I'm just going to make up a name. Pastor Chris, that seems like a right name. A lot of pastors named Chris. Pastor Chris, I just don't believe anymore. I just don't think I believe in the Bible. I don't think I believe in Jesus. I don't think, I think this is just all, you know, maybe just tradition. And I'm just having a lot of doubts. And I don't know what happened to Pastor Chris. This is a real story. The Pastor Chris got spiritual discernment from the Holy Spirit or something. And he looked at the dude and said, bro, be honest with me. He said, what are you you talking about? Who are you sleeping with? And the guy was like, no, I just don't believe. No, no, come on. He's like, all right, fine. And and then Pastor Chris says, so you're saying that this whole thing, your whole faith construct, your whole worldview has changed because of sex? Yeah. Right now, I'm in college and, you know, my fraternity and, you know, partying, you know, just. He said something he didn't mean. And when you don't mean things, you say stupid things. And I know some of us who are, who are telling other people about Christ, they could say the meanest things about God. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's stupid, it's not intellectual. You know, people like to be pseudo-intellectuals all the time. But it has nothing to do with it. It usually has to do with sin. Some type of control that they want that they won't believe God would give them, so they do. Just like in this passage. So what I'm saying is, don't count people out because of their etymology. You're like, well, I'm not going to reach out to this friend or that friend because they believe this, they believe that, they don't believe that anymore. Listen, people have a hard time believing a lot of things. People flip-flop all the time. But the story of the prodigal son at the very center is, people say things that they don't mean often. So why do we need a community of faith joining God to restore the beauty in all things? First thing, read it with me. What's that? Sometimes what? Tell someone next to you. Sometimes we've got to learn the hard way. I pleaded with my son at 10, don't run away from home. No, bro. I'm hardcore. My friends would die for me. And he thought it was a good idea. I mean, some of us, no matter, I mean, think about yourself. I know some of you are just like judgmental, telling other people, get it together. Come on, you know, have kids now. And you guys, when are you guys going to get it together? (laughs) But you put yourself, would you have listened to yourself? 10 years ago? Think about yourself 10 years ago. Oh boy, right? You're like, oh man. Sometimes no one can convince us. This is one thing I learned in in over two decades of ministry. What people want is what they want, no matter what you tell them. And they're going to get it. They're going to die trying. And 
in the midst of that, there's no way you can stop them. Just like the prodigal son was going to leave home, was going to do some shenanigans. And there's no way you could stop it. Do they really mean that? Do they really believe that? No, not really. It's just a momentary thing. And this year, I just really feel in my spirit that we need to get back on a mission. We need to remember and not believe in the etymology of everybody's words and what they say. We've got to go back at the prodigals. Amen? And this is a question I want to ask you. Have you given up on some people? Ask someone next to you, have you given up on some people? Who, who are they? Ask them, who are they? I pray the Spirit of God right now will show you their faces. You're like, ah, yeah, I know. I don't think so. Doc, I know you have good intentions. I know this is the Word of God, but I don't know. This bro is gone. My friend, my girlfriend, I don't know. There's no hope for her. Because that's how it feels. Right? That's what this text is illustrating. People will go through their rebellion. And they'll say things that even hurt you. It'll even feel like it'll never be mended. That's the whole story. That's the whole story of why Jesus came in this parable to save those who are lost. The lost sheep. Sheep are stupid. You can't, you can't fault people for being stupid. Because we've all been stupid. Sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And that's okay. But we don't have to blame people for it. So who are the people in your life that God might be calling you to bring back to restore the beauty and all things in their life? Whether they're in despair, whether they're lost, who might be God calling you to reach out to? Because that's why we're here, for those people. Let's move down. So, read verse 17 with me out loud. When what? What's the first word? When. Not till then. When is about time. Life change is about when. It's timing. Change only can happen in the right time. No matter what we do until that point, nothing will remove someone's heart from what they want until that, that heart is ready to change. And that's why that's so critical to pay attention to. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's uh, hired servants had food to spare? See, sometimes you have to hit a low point. And when you've learned the hard way, you begin, you begin, it's slow, but you begin to listen to what other people have to say. 
And that's so critical when he came to his senses. And that's what we're praying for as a community, right? We know what's going to happen in the city. And I think it's critical here to read further. He goes, here I'm starving to death. The person is in despair. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And then in verse 21, it says the father was waiting, right? You know, one of the ones, the biggest obstacle for people coming back to a community of faith is shame. Facing us. A lot of people don't want to come back or don't want to go because they have to face us. Who are we? Look at, look at the person next to you. Do, you. do you look really holy? I mean, social anxiety is at an all-time high. People have a hard time saying hi today because people usually don't talk anymore. They just text hi, even if you're in the same room. Hi, what's up? Which is stupid. But I mean... It's even worse now. So, so shame, that, that point of shame and despair has to be so lodged deep within. People think of coming back to faith, want to go to church, but they're like, man, if people really knew what I've done, the dumb things I've done in my life, the dumb things I've done last night, and the other night before that, and the other weekend before, and it's, the sins just keep compounding, and the idiocy increases, and the shenanigans. I mean, really, I'm never going to do it. Never going to. I can't. I believe the Holy Spirit is calling many of you this year to welcome people with your own faith journey. I remember people here in, in, in our, we're going to have two weddings in 2020, maybe more engagements in 2020, amen? I'm praying for that. But I know people who are, who are married now and getting married, they were in relationships that, that were broken. Some people felt like they never might love again. Some people need to hear that are out there that God has a story for them. I know people in relationships, and you go, how can I be in a godly relationship? That's like seem impossible to me. I mean, if you, you the godly people, and that's technically okay, I mean, you're godly in Christ, but if you don't tell your story of how you felt hopeless, how you once felt lost, and it's going to just feel like the person who is lost it's only them that feels that way. So there needs to be a vulnerability that takes place in our community this year where we talk to people heart to heart. About how we felt in the past and how God changed our story. Amen? So, second reason why the city desperately needs a faith community is, read it with me, other times what? Yeah, 
Other times we're ready to listen. There's sometimes we won't listen. Other times we're ready to listen. That's when life change happens. And I believe this year there will be numerous of life change moments that we can enter into with the power of the Holy Spirit, with, with God's guidance, if we will just listen. For all, all of you that feel good this year, you're like, what loneliness? I feel no loneliness. I feel suffocated now. That's what married people feel. When do I ever get a break? Can I think on my own? You tell your, you tell your husband, shut up! <laughs> Baby, shut up! You know? It's like, let me get a night, the girl's night out. I mean, it's like, you, you're like, lonely? What, what is loneliness? That's like what 90% of the city feel. You're here. I wish I was alone. <laughs> Man, I just wish I could feel loneliness. Sometimes I, I, I feel that too. Man, loneliness would be nice. I have my son's feet right in my face when I sleep sometimes. Comes to our room. I mean, but we, we forget, amnesia, we forget where we were once. And then we end up just enjoying our lives and complaining about how our life should be better. And we forget that we're called to be hands and feet of Christ. A prodigal church. I always come back to the sacred romance every year in the beginning of the year to remind me what I'm called to do. And so let me read it to you as we close. Let me just, let me just try to paraphrase. Everyone is pretty much the same. Human beings were, you know, I know that Hollywood and, and in the music industry, and, and, and we like to glamorize people. But, I mean, guys, everyone pretty much are all the same. You, you all got to go to the bathroom, which is gross. That's why public bathrooms are, I avoid them. Everyone, every human being is pretty much the same. We're, we're hurt. We need love. We... We long for more. And in that longing is what usually leads us into trouble and despair. No one wants to end up in a place of darkness and despair. No one just wakes up one morning and says, you know, I, just, I, I can't live without drugs or drinks. Everybody's actually looking for the same thing. They have a gigantic haunting for this desire for more, because they were created for more. And this is what Eldridge says, if we listen, a sacred romance calls us to us through our heart every moment of our lives. It whispers to us in the wind, invites us to the laughter of good friends, reaches out to us to the touch of someone we love. We heard it in our favorite music, sensed it at the birth of our first child, been drawn to it while watching the simmer of a sunset on an ocean. The romance is even present in times of great personal suffering. The illness of a child, the loss of a marriage, the death of a friend. Sometimes something calls to us 
through experiences like these, it rouses an inconsolable longing deep within our heart. And that voice that calls to us in this place is no other than the voice of God. Will you be that voice this year for those who are outside of God's family? To remind them that God is still pursuing them. God's never stopped. The the text says that he was waiting in verse 21 of Luke 15 while he was still a far way off. Tell someone next to you, far way off. Folks, you think you're too far or, or someone's too far, but God the Father never gives up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, love what? Never gives up. Always hopes. He was a long way off. The father, the father couldn't constrain or force him. But he hoped. He was hoping that he'll return. That has to be our community. We have to, we have to be hopeful, not cynical. Because God is pursuing people, even if we have written them off. He'll never give up. Like he has not given up to die on the cross. C.S. Lewis once said that the hardness of God is softer than the softness of man. And his compulsion is our liberation. God's pursuit, God's kindness, is the very epicenter of what the gospel is founded upon. His pursuit. Yes, God's a romantic. And that's why that sacred romance calls to those outside of this room. Amen? Stand and pray together. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Happy New Year. Today, I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who is the pastor of Transformation, co-founder of 180 Church, and wife to Dr. Sammy. How are you, Pastor Lydia? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, So... We're kicking off this new year, and I think uh, 2010 to 2019 was a really great decade um, for our community, our church, and also for uh, maybe a lot of us as individuals. I think the past decade was one of, I guess, like one of few (laughs) really transformative uh, seasons for me. Mm. I mean, I've only had like two and a half decades. For me, yet? Yes, yet. Um, (laughs) And so I'm I'm excited uh, because it seems like with 2020... As we're just entering 2020, a new decade and a new year, um, uh, like among some of the resolutions that we might be making, uh, as we traditionally do with New Year's, um, Dr. Sammy really kicked off our uh, first church service of the year with uh, like a really great vision, I would say, uh, something that's really dear to my heart because of uh, the story of the prodigal son and just like how much I also relate to that story. Um, on both ends of the spectrum as a younger brother and an older brother. Um, but I'm really excited. It seems like for what the Lord is doing in this year is that he is asking our community and asking a lot of us to reach the prodigals, right? And um, I guess we can just kind of start from there. Like, uh, Just wondering if you have any insight or any thoughts about, you know, where the wind of the spirit might be leading us in this direction or like how come we are you know how, how, like what where did this heart for the prodigal son come from hmm. 
Well, it comes from God. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's a really good yeah, point. <laughs> it's the Father's heart, mm. always. And, you know, the wind of the Spirit is always blowing towards mission. Mm. And I think um, everything else is great, you know. Flourishing is great. Mm. Um, prosperity is great. But the ultimate heart of the Father um, is the mission mm. to bring His children home, to mm. wait for His children to come home. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, that's the whole um, message of the gospel. Right. And it's where it's where it begins, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. also, so, you know, I would say it's not necessarily a new vision. Mm. This has been our vision. Um, but what is so special is that we are, I felt like a sense of, you know, I, you know, being in the church, just looking around, I was just... You know, in our worship time, I was just listening to everyone worshiping and worshiping together. And what was amazing for me was just the progression of people who are once atheists, who became believers, who Mm -hmm. became, um, who returned home as prodigal sons, right? Um, Or prodigal sons returning home. And people who are really seeking to become like the father, like it was a gathering of hearts mm. of um, workers for the harvest. So it was so special that people in different um, uh, places of progress and process and faith mm. are now joining that. Like, you know, it's like, I don't want to call it pep rally, but it almost felt like a gathering of the workers coming together yeah. for the kingdom. Yeah, like a gathering of a group of people with a like-minded vision or a like-minded heart for yeah. God's mission, right? Yeah, and even though the mission isn't new, it felt so refreshing to be um, be able to come together and to recommit to that vision again. Yeah, Yeah, I think it was a really appropriate way to start off the new year because... Like you said, I think it's not that this is a new ver- new vision per se for like the sake of mission, for the sake of uh, reaching people in the tension of being lost and found, right? And um, I guess it's like probably one of the greater reminders of, you know, in 2010 and in that decade, we've seen so much life change, right? Like we've seen so many people from different walks of life, different avenues of where they're on faith, come find God, come find the Father, uh, whether they were the lost the son that left home and you know had to figure things out the hard way or whether we were the son that stayed you know at home and then just kind of that story is not really like so expounded upon but you know he was just kind of like bitter i guess is like mm, the, the best way to put it yeah the mm-hmm. other son um we've seen like so many different kinds of people all kind of come back to the same place of being in the presence of the father and like celebrating with the father on their return Right. And so, I mean, like, if 2010 was just that much great, greater, or that it was that great in general, it's like, how much more can 2020, this decade, offer us as a church and, like, as people uh, who are seeking and also believers are, like, just re, I guess, reorienting our year around what the, what God is doing for Mm -hmm. the decade? Yeah. I saw what was really special was, um, it was kind of like a call out, a reminder for those who have been forgotten. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, 
yes, the harvest is plentiful. Yes, there are a lot of people that have yet to come or have yet to meet the Father for、mm. the first time. But there are many who have met Him but have left the house, right?、Mm. Um, or not so much their faith, but have kind of given up on, you know, living out faith.、Um, and it was a call out. And、um, an assembly to remember those that the father is still waiting, and、mm-hmm. to represent the father to wait and to seek out the right time、mm-hmm. to bring them home and to welcome them back. So, like a reunion, I、yeah. guess, of a homecoming. Yeah, I guess they do that in high schools, right? Every ten years, they do like a high、yeah. school reunion kind of thing. Reunion, homecoming, yeah. Right. So is this like a? Is this a very? Because I know it's still like all of us can probably fall into a category of being a prodigal in some which way or form, right? But、mm-hmm. do you feel like this is a more nuanced,、uh, specific kind of outreach or mission for those that may have been forgotten on the wayside along the journey, or is it just kind of like a submission? No, I think it was always part of the mission, but I think it's often the mission. That gets forgotten,、mm. probably because of the limitations of the one reaching out,、mm. or the one who stops reaching out.、Um, so I think it's a reminder, like, yeah, there is the world that's you know still needs the Lord, but there are brothers and sisters that let's continue to wait for them and to pray、mm. for them and seek them out. Yeah. So it was. It was a very. If anything, it's not so much one or the other, but it felt like a thorough、uh, reminder、yeah. of the whole mission. Right. Yeah. I, I think I could definitely see that because, like,、um, you know, there's in this journey, you know, you definitely see a lot of people that have come in to church and came into faith, also kind of lose faith, quote unquote, just because like circumstances and、uh, things that people have said, and it's like, I guess it's easy. It's easier for many of us to just kind of put it in the back of our minds because we're like, oh, this person has made their choice, they made their、mm-hmm. decision, and they decided to not live out the faith journey. But it's kind of like what Dr. Sammy was saying. It's like a lot of us, based off certain circumstances,、uh, things that have happened to us, or、uh, like maybe attitudes, even loneliness, some of the things that we do that cause regret, is often conjure up some things that we say that we don't necessarily mean, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I thought that that was a very poignant thing that he pointed out is that a lot of us say things we don't mean in the moment,、mm-hmm. like in the heat of the moment of things、um, about faith or about our lives. And、um, because of that, because of what people say,、um, I find myself often being like, okay, like, I guess that's it, you know? Like, and it's not that、mm-hmm. bridges are burned per se, but it's kind of like, oh, this person has crossed this bridge and they've said that they aren't going to cross back. Um, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? Right? Like we often assume that what kind of decisions people make are like the end all be all. But the fact of the matter is that God is still in pursuit of them, and we might not know for sure if they're still in pursuit of God, right? Yeah, as long as、um, as long as it takes.、And、as long as it takes. Yeah. So <coughs> I think.、Um, yeah, I think oftentimes people say things they don't mean. Also, there's a perfectionism to it. I think of approaching faith and journey、mm. of faith. So when I think people feel like they failed, they often kind of not renege, 
the fight or their um, sonship or uh, as children of God, but more like there's, I think, rationalism that happens. That's not necessarily the most accurate um, assessment of what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Or I, maybe not accurate is not the right word. Maybe it's not the most honest assessment, but usually things are said in difficult times um, for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. And people will come across as though they're done and finished. Mm, yeah. But there's so many stories that God um, has, re- like people that he has redeemed, even when things have been said. Mm. And it, well, even when things seem like, um, they seem like final words. Right. You know, and so... I think it's really about pursuing that heart of God that sees beyond words, that sees beyond defense mechanisms, mm-hmm. that sees beyond uh, shame and um, social anxiety, um, you know, the struggle and survival to fit into the norm, the standard of this world, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff that gets in the way, right? And it's really the pursuit and um, the call to pursue as the father would because he sees beyond all those things. Mm. And it's an eye-opener for us to, you know, in many ways it's an obvious thing, but I think we often forget because things get messy. Mm. You know, relationships get messy. Mission gets messy sometimes and we kind of put in the back burner. But it's it's a reminder that, you know what, God's able to see through all of that. And he's still calling them home. Hmm. He's still waiting for them. Yeah. And for us to open up to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Because yeah. I think like, I, I'm i like, I feel that hope is a very important thing for me. Uh, and um, I'm sure it's, I mean, it's hugely important for everybody. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yes, hope is very important for yeah, all it's of re- us. Yeah, it's very important for... I understand what you meant. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I, I've like, uh, I think like hope if we're going to kind of talk about some of like the themes from like, like the fruits of the spirit and such, like I think like hope for me is always there. Like mm-hmm. I, there's this one, I'm going, I'm going to misquote this, but there's, there's like this interview I watched and someone said like something along the lines that hope is like a wellspring. Like it's always there. You can always hope for things. Like you can always hope for change. You can always hope um, that, you know, things will happen in such a way that is, you know, a blessing or favorable and such like that um which is like a different thing from expectations i would say where from the way the way this person was saying it um because you can you can't necessarily expect people to change or like for life change to happen but you can always hope that it can happen and like you always hope for the best yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. it's like i think there's something to hope being eternal and like always hoping for like you said the best of people and like for people to I don't know, reignite their relationship with God or like really come back to the cross and such like that. And it's like, it's always there in my heart for people that have come and left, uh, whether it's our church or the communities and such like that, because like, you know, I don't know necessarily what God might be doing in their lives or like what decisions with whatever finality they say it with, uh, they make about their faith journey and such. But it's like, you always wonder that there's, there's this inkling of hope that something will happen or like something will come around or um, something will just kind of budge the rock enough that uh, someone can come back to God or 
you know and i think like the way that dr sammy presented this sermon and like you know spoke to us from uh what i think is also is hard for the prodigals and the lost are the hope that these people that have come and gone or maybe have said in in like finally like they're just not coming back like maybe they'll come around you know and it's like wow to have that kind of a hope you know just like the father was waiting for his son that walked away is like that's that's kind of the way i want to be able to approach people you know because like i think i have this tendency to almost in my mind dismiss people because of what they've said right Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i'm not coming back or you know that's just not for me and such Mm -hmm. like that and so even though i have like this sliver of hope i I never had like a a, like oh yeah like i really hope this person comes back it's just kind of like ah maybe we'll see what happens it's kind of like kind of like a lame hope Mm -hmm. but you know cynicism yeah like like, yeah like definitely this person has made their decision that's it there's nothing i can do to change that or no matter how much i try there's nothing that will change that and you just hope that something will come that way and like to think that you know what is of a concern for me is also on the father's heart it's like that all that to say like it gives me a lot of hope and i think a lot of uh focus for you know being a part of this you know because it's not so easy to remember that you know god is waiting for you and i back at home you know and i i I sincerely hope that people um that have experienced god and know who god is will also like know that too you know they always have a home to come back to and you know god's waiting um and i I just kind of don't want life to slip by without that being like reconciled is that the best way for me to put it yeah well i think the big gap that happens between the hope Mm. and the return is that the gap is really there because the approach feels like it's failed or it's been it's you know people have tried but it's Mm. failed or people are just not in the right place because it's failed like there's there's this huge gap, right, of all these things and not knowing what to do with, I don't know, so-and-so, like failures, right, mm-hmm. yeah. of mission. Or, um, I mean, in the end, I think that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's like, oh, I tried, but it didn't work out. So now you're dealing with the grief of that. You're dealing with the tension of that. You're dealing with the loss of that, you know, loss of someone. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, you know, It's because it's very relational, right? Yeah. It's not like transactional where you're just like telling them, hey, show up and okay, I don't know you, so check off, cross out. It's not like that. Mm. It actually involves hearts. And so I think the message, what it does is it brings hope with wisdom. Mm. And I think that hope with wisdom is, I love this word. I've been really thinking about this word a lot, talking to Sam about you know this word a lot. We've been talking about this word a lot. And in the end, it's really nothing. Mm. But... This word is so powerful. In the end, it comes down to effort. <laughs> the word is effort. Oh, the word is effort? Yeah. Because it's about how much effort, what kind of effort will you put in so mm. that this gap gets healed and closed and so that people can 
be welcomed back, mm. feel welcomed back, so that people could come back. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking just back to um, church or faith, I, I mean, t- church or community per se, but to God, right? Mm. Um, or how do we get people back to pursuing God again? Mm. Um, because I think a lot of times also seekers, not believers, will pursue, pursue, or seek out to find faith and then they will feel like this is taking kind of long maybe this is not for me so there are those that kind of leave the process as well Mm. but even to them god is saying i'm not finished i Mm. am here i am um working right so we are kind of the instruments um in the physical and in the spiritual of effort i think i love that word effort yeah. Because in the end, relationships are made by people who actually make the effort. Right. Like, if there's no effort, relationships will not last, right? Yeah. So in the same way, I think it's really, a, it's a hope with wisdom, which equals to effort. Mm. I see. So it's an examination of like, where will you put effort? Who are the people God's reminding you of? that you've forgotten yeah who are the people that um you know that we want to be reaching out to and what effort are you willing to put into it Mm. you know yeah it's a call to action right no that's a i mean that's really i think that's really encouraging because like that's the least we could do right like effort is like always i think it's like the common trope like is the least you could like or I don't. I don't really know. I don't really remember what they say in academia, but they're just kind of like, "Hey, it's like A for effort or something like that, uh-huh. right?" They're like, "Oh, at least um, I can see that you're putting it, you're trying, or like you're doing your best." Yeah. For X, Y, and Z goal, and like for us to then like that's the and ultimately I think if you can correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is like that's the part that we can do yeah. to like welcome back yes. those that have come and gone. Yes, because the father's already waiting. Yeah. And our effort becomes a collaboration, I guess, mm. partnership to what the Father says He's always been doing. Mm. But yeah, if we are, as a church, don't put in the effort when the body of Christ does not do the work, it is, it is, it, it remains a gap. Mm. I see. And it's like, and I know Dr. Sammy brought up, and you also mentioned earlier, like the, like, barrier for a lot of people that have come to church or have been seeking and have left is that there's like a level of shame mm. that they feel when they're re-encountering us right or like they're re-engaging with this community that they left right and i can almost imagine that like being because I, I don't know you know i like i've been fairly consistent with like being a part of this community so it's like I'm not really sure I can understand what it's like to have left and come back. Um, and like the, I think the, the, what is it? The narrative in the Bible, like kind of displays it fairly well when someone has hit like the absolute rock bottom and they have nowhere left to go. They remind, they, they remember that there was a place that was safe and that they could go back to. Um, but it must take a lot of courage to admit that at one point and to, come back right and so it, it must it must create a 
a huge amount of anxiety for somebody to come back and kind of like answer the questions of like where have you been and what you've been up to <laughs> and like would you know like what did you do while you're you know like i'm and I, I bring this up just to like kind of ask like do you do you think like do you do you find it that it's like very difficult for um people that are part of this part of our community or a community in general to come back like, I don't, i'm not really sure what that's like for me like in my personal experience but i can only like project what i think it's like um just do you do you like know what that's like a little bit what social anxiety is like or like, like the fear of returning yeah. to something that you know is good but you just don't have the legitimate reason to say well this is why i've been away yeah i guess so because <laughs> i mean like i kind of know offhand it's just kind of some of my friends or like some of my peers would be like ah you know like a lot has changed from when we used to go and so it's like hard for me to readjust to all these new people um and for me it's just i like i've 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 grossly oversimplified and be like oh no you just have to adapt (laughs) like you know you'll get used to these new people right or like they'll they'll say they'll say things like oh you know like uh you know i i'm just not ready yet like i don't i don't have like like i don't have my stuff in line or in order yet for me to make a return and i'm like oh you don't have to do that like you're supposed to be messed up and come back right like and like those are really easy things for me to say right because it's just kind of like oh why not and like i can just kind of pass it off as like oh those are excuses but they're really not excuses right they're there's like genuine whether fears or you know like having to answer to people right yeah i think maybe you have a hard time relating to people coming back Mm -hmm. in that barrier because i wonder not to make this like about you or anything but Uh um just for a second like i wonder because i think maybe it's helpful to understand different situations and people Uh maybe because for you and you've shared this in the podcast before but you kind of knew what state you were in and what you were saved from Mm. you know so you were it's not that um like for you i think it wasn't a matter of performance like did i am i performing well Mm. but you kind of knew that you needed salvation so you had an understanding even when um like you know you used to tell stories of how you used to come you you know like to service to hear the gospel week you know week in and week week out even if whatever circumstance whatever party you were at whatever um I don't know, situation you were in mm. the day before or the week before or weeks before. You know what yeah. I mean? You had you had that. So right. you were, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't think that always happens, but I think that is something that we want. Like no matter where people are at without mm. perfection to come because, yeah, come and hear the gospel. Come and hear the um the words of grace mm. come and be embraced for where you are mm. and how God wants to meet you because God has a story for everyone. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because, because what you're saying is I was always like kind of, you know, seeking out faith, knowing that I, I was, um, I fell short, Yeah. but it's within the community and pursuing it within the community and being part of the church that I found salvation mm. and salvation became clear to me 
and lordship became clear to me and this is where i am right Mm -hmm. but yeah and going back to others i think it is hard i think it's so hard because you know i think people know pursuing faith again pursuing god again is you know it's kind of like very black and white it's like Mm. and it's it is because faith is everything right and we know that but it's the right thing to do but why can't i do that or what if i mess up again Mm. or there's a sense of like expectation of um performance of perfection of how to seek correctly Mm -hmm. how to seek sincerely and sincerely it almost becomes a religion of itself i feel like yeah and i think um it is to kind of the message is freeing because it is almost like letting go of all this religious and to err on grace Mm -hmm. you know to say there's no proper way to do this other than you coming because um, you want to and you need to, mm. you know, because people feel the need. But I think, I mean, if we're talking about the barrier here, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that definitely makes it clear uh, for me because like even though, and this is, again, not to make it about me, but, you know, just as a reference for like why I'm, I guess this might be a little bit difficult for other people is that I I, th- I feel like that voice in my head and my heart that, you know it's important that i'm at service or that i at least am in the presence of god in some way or shape or form mm-hmm. like drowned out whatever state i was in like being hung over or like mm-hmm. you know stoned at service or like you know mm-hmm. all these things like it was just like i knew that that was more like i knew it was a need mm-hmm. so you knew the need clearly yeah it was louder Even things were not yeah, like nothing was like All up. done yeah. and great, yes. Right, and so I guess it's like hard when it's when it's like, oh, I'm not there yet. And like you, you have to come like presentable or like all like fixed up before mm-hmm. you walk into church. Because mm-hmm. I think I, I think, I don't know, I don't know. This is, I guess this is just like a personal experience. But like for me, it was just kind of like, ah, it doesn't matter like how messed up I am. Like the whole point is, you know, that i'm loved despite that right and i guess it's kind of like when you feel like it's these opinions about you or like who you are and what you've done (coughs) that kind of define your worth or like if you're worthy of being with god and such like that it's kind of like a huge entry to barrier when it seems like there's prerequisites to be able to love god or to -hmm. receive god's love Mm -hmm. but there's no prerequisites like we've already been loved and yeah inner state yeah while we're imperfect Mm -hmm. and sinners Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah it's also um i think reclaiming the gospel for what it really is Mm -hmm. yeah um but i think like i i I like the way that i really like the way that dr sammy framed it in such a way where it's kind of like you know a lot of us this isn't always the case but many of us probably have felt like we've really hit rock bottom before we were able to like make that decision and be like, Hey, like I need to, I need to come back to God or like, I need to come back home. Um, and you know, cause I think it's kind of true just from mm-hmm. my own experience. I think like what kind of helped shave away from like the shame and stuff and like the barriers for me being able to attend service every week, even though like I was sinning and like my actions didn't line up in like godly behavior, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Um, was the fact that 
you know, like I've hit rock bottom several times, like a lot of times, mm-hmm. maybe week to week, you know, but like I, I knew like it was in those like places where I was questioning mm-hmm. myself and like my actions and like my decisions. I was like, all right, like I'm clearly not doing this right. Or like there's something I'm missing about how I'm supposed to live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, it just, I just felt like God knew better than I did. Mm-hmm. if that if that makes any sense yeah, like of course you know and i think like it's it's kind of unfortunate that you sometimes you have to hit rock bottom in order for you to wake up and realize but it's almost like the most important thing to happen to you so that you can be honest with yourself and not and like all your pride is down and you have nothing to offer or like nothing to nothing like you, have, you you don't have anything that have, has amounted to anything or like I felt that way, you know, about a lot of my decisions. Like it's, I had nothing to show for this, but then, you know, that's those, that's like how I feel like I was like automatically, if my, if my life had a GPS, it was just like, okay, reroute to God. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, um, again, like maybe, maybe that is like, such a such a way in which that we have to realize that we need god right like we we oh not that we need to like it would be like i don't think everybody has to but like a lot for some of us rock bottom is almost necessary (coughs) for us to uh come back to god right yeah well i guess you're talking about when and however that when looks like Mm, right yeah and rock bottom is just wording, but what could, what is rock bottom, right? It's yeah. really whatever desperate state where you realize um, you need a savior, where you realize you need a community of faith, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, I, I, um, I tell people this when I talk to people who are, I guess, not... You know, they. I guess they would. They would say not with it. Like, they want to but can't mm-hmm. um, come back home. Like, come back to live for faith mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. And there's so many. And we could go into just you know general reasons of people. But um, yeah. But I always say I this. This is what I started saying because for me it's hard because. Um, I am in a place where I've never actually left the faith, right? Mm. I was inside the house and I realized um, that I needed Christ because I was a sinner. Mm. And so with, you know, in the grace, by the grace of God within the community um, that I came to Christ, right? So it's different. But yeah, so there are people, and now as a pastor, I'm in a place where people will see me as, well, you're there and you, you're you you're in and she's reaching out to me. So this is what I, what I say because mm. to, I guess, bridge the gap. And you know, I, I tell people like, hey, you can come back to church, you know? Don't worry about... <laughs> And it's might sound funny, but like, don't worry about why you can't come. Mm. 
or why you can't figure out why you haven't come even though you wanted to come. Because mm. I think there are a lot of people who want to come back to um, living for Christ, yeah. you know, um, pursuing Christ, like loving Christ. Like the heart's there, but it's really the steps that are difficult. Mm. And, you know, the illustration I use is like, from my own life like you know i don't i did i can't really relate to you not yeah. you joe but like as i'm talking to people like i can't really relate to you and why i can't come back to church per se mm. or you know to faith per se um because i value it highly and it is a priority to me but i can relate in that you want something but you can't seem to get yourself mm for whatever reason, to that goal. And for me, that's the gym. Mm. And I say, you know what? It's hard. I don't know. I'll be doing really well. And I'll just kind of fall off. And yeah. I'll stop going. And then I, I, a week passes, two weeks pass, three weeks pass. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the gym. But why can't I go there? Mm. So I cannot explain why. And there could be so many theories of behind why. Mm. But in the end, it just matters that I go back. Right. And when I go back, I feel rusty, but I start again. Mm. And in, in starting again, I see progress. Mm. And knowing that in my mind mentally, I might fall off again. Right. But even then, I know that I can come back. Yeah. You know? And, but I think it's... Not to simplify it, but Sam did talk about when you reduce it down. It, it's very simple. Like, it is about that. Like, you want to be there. Yeah. And you know it is good for you, but you just can't seem to get there. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that, does that make sense? That's a great illustration. Actually, yeah, you can't relate to that at mm. all because you're like a gym addict. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, but... Yeah, but that's how I feel often. And I think what I hear from not just like, um, like a lot of people say this, right? Because we have open conversations with people who are struggling on the outside of mm. the community of faith or, you know, whether they're locally here in New York or, you know, in the West Coast or outside of the country. Because mm -hmm. I'm not saying this church per se, you know, I want to have a broader conversation, right? So wherever people are at, why is it that they can't seem to achieve the goal of um, getting back on the journey mm -hmm. of faith, right? Of living for Christ, growing in Christ in a community where it's really the best way, right? Mm. Um, and that's just biblical. It's not my preference. And I think it's, it's hard like the gym for yeah. me you know it's so simple but it's not right so but yeah to that i would say if you're in that place you know what all this like need for perfection because you know what i think nowadays there's so much pressure mm -hmm. social pressure to know everything yeah social pressure to understand everything <coughs> And social, pre social pressure of awareness yeah. on how to have a relationship with people, how to be kind, how, you know, and I'm not even talking about the biblical teaching. I'm talking about just like there's so much social pressure of how to be mm -hmm. that it's 
very it gets in your head i mm. think you know it's it gets very difficult to do simple things sometimes yeah and on top of that there's warfare because we're not talking about going to the gym at the end of the day right it's good for my health but this we're talking about spiritual life here mm. so now the enemy is also real and there's warfare of what he does to keep barriers from falling down yeah so there's a lot to work with so again bringing this is obviously a message of a welcome sign but it is also a message to for the people within right yeah uh what effort will you will you make Mm. um and it's a very, uh, it's, it's, I call it wisdom. I think it's like a wisdom preaching because it gives us kind of insight to when, so that we are more equipped mm, to yeah. know when, to know that there is a when. It's not always when. People are not always wanting to listen. And don't take that as no forever, mm. but to wait on it. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah so that really- there are clear signs. Yeah. And to... Um, yeah, and to see beyond it, but also read the signs. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of times I change my mind or like go back on what I've said, right? It's just like, it's, it's just a matter of timing, right? It's like if at one point I had an opinion about something, I felt very strongly about it. Maybe like a year later, I like have a totally different opinion about the same thing, right? Because like, I mean, I think that's, kind of what you're saying right it's just like a lot of us say these things also like okay like this isn't for me and then a year later like let's say if the gym you're like oh the gym's not for me like i'd like rather do other things and then like a year later you're like oh it's like important that i go to the gym and then like it, it kind of takes like a certain level of like effort and like self-talk and like life that is lived. so like being able to discern when that is or like when that timing comes is like what we're being equipped with with this word is that you know despite (laughs) the outer appearance of what like final decision somebody has made about something it's like the way in which that god might be working or the way in which the enemy is trying to like you know disrupt that work is that there will be that tension and that i think what you say is true that there is that need or desire and want to be with God and like to live life with God. It's just that there's just so many, seems like there's so many things um, that get in the way of that. Um, Whether it's like personal things or like spiritual elements, you know, or circumstances even, but it's, it's like, like it'd be, it's important for us to identify that that need is there for that person and for us to be able to catch it when that time comes around. Am I, yeah. am I getting that? Yeah, because I think ultimately it's fear. Mm. A fear of things not going well, fear of things not working out, fear of failing again, yeah. fear of... It's really fear. Right. And the thing about the gospel pursuit and the thing about mission is that it's not transactional. It's not a system, but it is in the end a pursuit of love. Mm. So I think there's only one thing that could overcome and combat fear, and that's perfect love. Mm. And, you know, Bible makes it very clear that only perfect love casts out fear. Mm. And it is, I think, about our effort 
to represent and to bring that love. Because you know, in First John four, it talks about why people fear is because ultimately they're in fear of judgment. Right. But. And it makes it very clear in that chapter: we are able to love not because we stand on our own, but because God first loved us. Right. And perfect love casts out fear. So, what can we do so that we can almost combat against the fear of judgment and the fear of、um, failing、um, spiritually, so that we could become?、Um, So we could help people make the steps drawing near to God easier、mm. and、um, closer. Yeah, there's a distance that everyone has to walk on their own that we、right. can't do for themselves, and it's called decision, right? Yeah, people have to make the decision to turn to Christ. But how can we make bridge the gap so that it makes it a little easier、right. for them? Yeah, there's effort on both sides for that process. Yeah,、so、like there's an effort for us to. Help make this welcoming back process a little bit more effortless, I guess, on the other side. Whereas the effort for the person coming back is like the decision. We're more welcoming. Yeah, more welcoming. Yeah. Is is the decision and the actual physically coming back, right? Yeah, you know. So gym is like too maybe simple, and um, I'm probably not the only one, but I think a lot of people are pretty good with the gym. I would say, especially、uh-huh. like we have a lot of people are really good. I think eventually people go, but <laughs> I want to just give another illustration、yeah. that's more、um, maybe more, I don't know, more serious.、Mm. Is、um, I remember when I first dated Sam, I was real like I was I was like in love, right?、Oh. I loved Sam so much, but then I got freaked out. I was like, "What is going on?"、Mm. So it's like. Okay, so stay with me, right? So、yeah. it's like everything's going well. You're at the gym. You're like, yes, I'm progressing towards like something so great. Yes. And then something happens, and you're just like, wait, I can't go back to the gym,、mm. and you just stop, right? But in the same way, but not really. Yeah. But I was in love with Sam, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't be in relationship with him.、Mm. And at the time, I couldn't really understand what it was. It's not. He didn't do anything wrong.、Mm. He did everything right. It wasn't him. It was me. But I wanted to make it like it was him. Because、mm. why? Because I was really freaked out. And what does freaked out mean? I was really scared. Yeah. Because I think there's a vulnerability that comes with pursuing something that's so important、mm-hmm. that I got really scared. And I remember saying to him,、um, you know. I don't want to be in this relationship with you.、Um, yeah, I'd rather be single. Like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be in a relationship.、Mm-hmm. I think I said all these things. A lot of words. Yeah, a lot of words. <laughs> But you know what? In the moment, because I think I'm so strong and I think I'm so independent, I'm like, I mean these words because、yeah. you know what? If you walk away from me, I wouldn't be affected because I am my own person. Like, I was、mm-hmm. thinking all these things. But thank God he didn't walk away from me.、Mm. Thank God he pursued me even harder.、Mm. Right after that, because if we walked, if he walked away, then I would have to, I guess, chase him. But you know, <laughs> in hindsight, like it's the best decision. But you know, I am so grateful that he was like, he respected that that was where I was at. Uh huh. 
he didn't try to um, negotiate or he didn't try to like force me back into a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He ex- he respected it, and in his own attempt and in grief of losing what we once had, he pursued me and he waited for me. Mm-hmm. And of course, in hindsight, I think fear makes us. Think and do all sorts of things, and yeah. it make it keeps us from also doing things that we're usually capable of. And fear has a way of like confusing us. You know, you don't yeah. really know your motives. Mm. It gets really um, confusing, right? Yeah. But in the moment, all those things, even though I could have sworn in the moment I meant it, I know in hindsight. After like almost two decades, I know in hindsight, I didn't mean any of it. Mm. What I was really trying to say was, I'm really scared to be in this relationship because this seems more real than anything I've ever experienced. Mm. This seems real. This seems like commitment. This seems like life-giving. This seems like life-changing. And I don't know if, I, wa- I could do this thing because I've never done this before. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that now in hindsight, but right. I didn't know that then. Right. And I think it is a lot like that. Like there, when there's fear involved, it's usually with something that really matters. And I feel like it brings out the fear, the anxiety does come up, pressure, social pressures come up because this is so important Mm. that you want to almost do it right. But also you almost want to have control. Mm. But there's a sense, there is control of choice and decision, but there's really no control in, in terms of how your heart processes things. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, like how can we be the church and reach out and make an effort so that it's it makes it easier? I wouldn't actually say effortless because I think it's, you know, it but effort, yeah, yeah, again, like it's just etymology. Mm. But I guess if we're talking about words like so that we make it easier for them to come, mm. because the truth is it's hard to come back to something, especially when you feel like the uh, what's that idiom like? Out, not, not outnumbered but the you almost feel like the black sheep oh you feel like you're an outcast yeah kind of but w- even though you're not you know mm. black sheep with the family yeah something like thing? that yeah. <laughs> yeah something like that yeah. like you just f- feel like no one is going through what you're going through and yeah. that you're the only one going through that and yeah. that's kind of how we feel when we go through anxiety mm-hmm. in general so um outside of faith looking in it could even be more compounded i feel like Mm. so yeah i mean i think that's why it's so important um ministries are so important friendships are so important relationships are so important you know greeting greeters are so important that's why worship music is so important cup of coffee is so important but this is all still within um, but yeah, like how do we have relationships with people mm-hmm. um, and be patient while waiting, while um, while still pursuing? Mm. Right. That's hard, I think, as a believer. Yeah. So do you, do you think like a, a large part of what we have to do is 
find ways in order to lower defenses from people? Because it seems like from the story that you shared about you and Dr. Sam, it's kind of like because you were scared, you have all these like defenses up, right? Like these things that just kind of come up to preserve your pride or like um, like sense of control or something. Because it's like, I feel like the if I'm to walk in the shoes of somebody that has like left and came back, it's kind of like, I feel like what would be really burdensome is like all the questions that you feel like you have to answer and all the judgments. And so like, you're already kind of coming in with like really high <coughs> defenses, right? You're just kind of like, okay, I'm going to answer this question this way. If they're like asking me what I've been up to, it's just like, oh, you know, things, you know, I've just been busy with stuff. You know, like it, it seems like you're almost trying to like, like battle your way through like the expectations and judgments and such like that, that can like really heighten social anxiety and the pressure to like have like a like you said self-awareness or like reasoning for why you left and came back and like all this stuff right so it's like defenses are high right and it's like what can we do in order to like kind of diffuse the situation or like kind of reduce that anxiety for people when they come in yeah are you asking me or are you telling me i'm totally asking (laughs) you (laughs) i'm yeah, well, I think it's not so technical. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. I think if we, I think we often like, honestly, I think like as Christians, we tend to make things like systems. Yeah. And it that becomes, might just be me. <laughs> no, not yeah, just no. you. I think we have a way of like making systems to simplify things and generalize uh, things. Yeah, like five steps for like. Yeah, thing, I'm not, I mean, know? I'm not against steps to help, but almost like people become, it's like a defense mechanism, I think, in the mission. We, instead of wearing our hearts on our sleeves, we kind of come in with an armor and we're mm-hmm. like so ready to be like this defense system. You know what I mean? And, but I think relationship is a lot more nuanced like it's not very or it would be very transactional i think it's like oh you're not ready okay so i'll check with you in like Uh, 10 you know it's not like that it's really about being present it's really about you know in the process being there and with people so again how are we going to make an effort to do that Mm. Um, yeah, there will be sit downs of um, all sorts of conversations because it's true. Like people are sometimes wondering answers, right? Mm. But even before that, like how will we, um, you know what I mean? Mm. Like uh, we, because I've I've been kind of, I've been like a told that I was doing this from one of my friends before. It was just like it, we almost like kind of come in with what seems like an agenda or like a project like you kind of treat your friend as like a project like how uh-huh. do how do like it's it's almost like a how-do manual about you know talking about faith or like talking about their journey and stuff like that it, it just seems kind of like not that like you're not really having a conversation as friends right it's just kind of like you know because one of my friends in the past said, like, it feels like you're treating me like I'm a project. And I was like, oh, I don't know why you feel that way or for what reasons. But it's almost like, it's almost like I'm scared to engage as, like, just a friend and, like, have genuine mm-hmm. questions. Like, 
hey like what's going on or how's it going it'd, it'd be like conversations revolving around like a very specific like subject of faith or something like mm-hmm. oh you know so it's not like i'm like coming to them with like a person with very like authentic questions about like trying to get to know where they've been or like who they are or like what they've mm-hmm. been up to and so it's, it's kind of like okay like let's talk about like what like what like what happened why this caused you this problem and like let's follow up and like talk about what you can do from here on out mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing is that yeah it's like more he- more head and kind of seems heartless yeah a little bit it's just kind of like all right here's how we can practically get you back on track with your faith you know as opposed to like mm-hmm. coming in with a like a genuine like wow that's pretty remarkable that god did that or you know i don't know like just something a little bit more Personal? relational yeah mm. yeah yeah so like i mean we could talk about so many skills right mm. of doing that correctly but i think again at the it's god's really coming after our heart to welcome people mm. to love people to be there for people you know yeah in the nuance of things in the difficulty and to be waiting as the father did right. knowing that his son is probably god knows where doing what yeah but to embrace the tension of that a little bit you know um one of the descriptions of love in first corinthians 13 is that love is long-suffering mm. and i think that a lot of times we kind of don't want that suffering because it's kind of annoying yeah we're awkward or like yeah I, I think we have a way of like wanting to reduce things to the point where it's there's no tension mm. like we just want clear lines no yeah. clutter get rid of that little yeah. thing in between what is that i don't like that feeling like okay well i'll do this yeah. i'll avoid this but at the heart of it the father waited um with love mm. with tension of love and patience and you know feeling probably you know frustrated but still choosing to wait to love mm. you know yeah so i mean we could theorize yeah. about it but in the end it's god is calling us to extend love out mm. One time I, um, and also I think this is the thing. You don't really know when people are ready to listen per se. Yeah. You know, so you're from the place of reaching out, you're always taking a chance. There's Mm no hundred percent guarantee that when you reach out this time, because everything felt right and the spirit was there, like, oh yeah, they're going to come back to faith. It doesn't look like that Mm -hmm. everything could be right but and they may even have heard you and everything as truth but well i'm not there yet it could be that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's no guarantees that's the thing about relationship and loving people right i remember one time um i used to circle around this one um pharmacy (laughs) like i used to literally like i i heard that this um one person i really love like you know she was working there mm. right so i used to like circle around the pharmacy and um 
like drive around and then be like god if you speak to me about it i'll I'll go reach out to her you mm, know yeah but like it wasn't really like he was speaking to me about it it mm. was like i just couldn't let go of the fact that i knew that she worked there yeah and she'd been away from faith and so in the end i was like oh, why is there no certainty because mm. you know when you care about people and you love people like it feels like such a risk mm. because your heart is in it. Yeah. But I remember it was so awkward, Joe. Like <laughs> I remember one day I decided, I think, you know, it wasn't like every day, but like every Saturday I kind of knew that she was there at that hour. So I walked in and you know how pharmacies are like in the back. Yeah. You walk through the whole thing <laughs> and you're like, is she there? Is she not there? What if she's on her lunch break? And I'm thinking all these things going down like mm -hmm. the cereal aisle. And it was so awkward. But I was like, hey. And I hadn't seen this person for like years. Yeah. I was like, hey, <laughs> I was in the neighborhood and oh my gosh. Like, you know, it was kind of like that. Yeah. It was so awkward. Yeah. There was mutual love, but it was, it's been a while. Yeah. So it was so awkward. Like you kind of don't know where to start. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you love and care for people, but you just don't know if you could hold in all the words of love mm, Yeah. because you just don't know if it's the right time and place. Yeah. You don't want to come like, off too strong either. Yeah, yeah. You're just so careful because you care and love. But yeah, it was like that. And then, um. Yeah, so it was like really short. I think I said hi. Oh, how's it going? Oh, is it your lunch break yet? Like it was like the most awkward office talk kind of yeah, like yeah. thing. And then uh, I just wanted to say hi. Just like thought you were, you know, here. And it was, it was just really short because mm. the person had to work. Came back, went home. And you know what? That became like a start of uh, like a reminder of God's pursuit for her. Mm. And now to, you know, now she's back loving the Lord. Like, yeah. And she, to me in the moment, it felt like nothing. Mm. Like even though the process for me was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it's going to be like yeah. because my heart's in it. You know, you mm -hmm. don't want to like kind of do it wrong. Yeah. But for me, it was just, I just showed up once. Mm -hmm. But for her, it became a restart of her journey. Yeah. So I think sometimes we don't even know like the gesture of love and just showing up for love, what that can do. Right. You know what it's I mean? like a little bit of effort that you put in. Yeah. A little bit of effort that we put in. Mm. Because we're so like all about like recalibrating and calculating the risk and calculating the cost and calculating, you know, the the effect. But mm. I don't think the Bible ever promises this, that, yeah. that, oh, it will go well the harder right. you work. No, actually, it's a risk. Yeah. Like just like God, when he sent his son, Jesus, I wouldn't call it a risk, but it was probably um, it's the only way. You know, but he died on the cross mm -hmm. because he knew it was the only way. He had no guarantee that you or I would um, acknowledge him. Mm -hmm. So, but I think, 
you know, he did more than an effort on the cross. Like, yeah. I don't even want to use the word effort right. for what Christ has done because he gave his whole self, his whole being to us, and he didn't have to. But mm-hmm. I think for us, it really starts with effort. Right. And, you know, and I think people do become a little bit calloused, you know, when you have a lot of failures and not so many success stories of reaching out to people Mm. do you know what i mean i think there are many success (laughs) stories of like oh my gosh like this person came back to the lord or you know she's um, pursuing the lord again she recommitted again he recommitted again those stories are great to tell and they're celebratory but it's not i know it's like a weird thing but it's not very sexy to come and say yeah it didn't go well blew it Yeah. yeah like yeah, I don't think that person's ready. To say that yeah. is not very uplifting. Definitely not. Yeah, it no. almost seems like, oh, that sucks. Like, you know what? I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Right. It almost feels like that. And you, it's almost like a Debbie Downer. Is that what it's called? Yes. That is, yeah, Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. <laughs> you almost feel like, oh, man, instead of good news, I'm bringing bad news. Yeah. But I think it's addressing all those things. Right. Like, some things will take longer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And let's pursue longer. So, it's like a call to, like, a longer suffering, longer run, longer, you know, attempt Mm. at something that really matters. Yeah. You know? So, again, like, who are the people that God is bringing back to memory? Mm. The people that we've forgotten. I think Billy Graham once said... You know, people often stop praying for the people that they used, they once made a list for to come to Christ. And there's nothing wrong with lists. Lists are powerful. Like, mm-hmm. you make a list because we forget, right? Yeah. In the beginning of the year, we make lists of prayer requests of things that only God can do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes we, and he says that, like, people usually stop praying because they didn't come to Christ right away. Yeah. It almost gets crossed off the list. But I think God is saying, hold off on crossing off. I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so what effort are we willing to put in so that we go back into, you know, that pursuit yeah. for that person, for the people? And think about the harvest as a result of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exciting. And that's faith to know that something is possible without actually having proof of it before you. Mm. And so there's a lot of faith, you know, but we have to put in the effort. Right. Because faith without deed is dead. So it's a call to action. Mm. Yeah. Someone said, someone told me um, after yesterday's message, someone texted and said, um, Pastor Lydia, you want to believe it? Because you know how we started out with hot like bling? Yeah. It's, um, it's Drake's hot, it's hotline bling. Um, is it hot what? Hotline bling. Hotline bling. Yeah. Hotline bling. Um, Drake's song. Yeah, Drake's song. And it's kind of like the condition of where people are at yeah. in New York, in New York, and you know, in the world apart from this um, eternal purpose and person of Christ, right? But. The person was saying like um, that they walked into work today and it was what hot what hotline bling hotline hot oh makes sense hotline yeah. bling yeah, yeah like hotline got it yes yeah, yeah. yeah, like a phone call yeah. um and she said she heard the song turn on as soon as she walked in oh really 
And she was like, all right, Jesus, message received. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think God is really trying to open our ears to that. Because we often as believers tend to kind of focus back on our flourishing, our prosperity, Mm, our focus, our goals, our dreams. When ultimately these are great, but ultimately God's dream is for all to be saved, you know? Mm, Yeah. So I almost feel like there's an audible reminder of what God is trying to say yeah. so that we hear it. Oh, that's really interesting you mentioned that because Why? uh I did like a I did like a small reflection Saturday night uh-huh. or Friday night, I forget. But um you know, like just cuz uh you know, I was, I'm just really bored now. Now that school's done, right? Yeah, you're on break after yeah, an you know, intensive yeah. school year. So it's yeah. like, I've been kind of almost like, wow, that was just like such a like mentally stimulating period of my life. And now that I'm like kind of doing nothing, like just kind of still working part time and stuff. And like, I'm on break. I'm just, I just have so much time. And like in that time, I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like kind of sad, you know, like I'm just kind of like down. Right. So I was like reflecting and I was just like kind of writing. And it was just like, it was bizarre to me that my life is i've been given so much even despite my shortcomings and my failings and like all the wrong turns i made and like how could like of all with all the mistakes that i made i don't really understand why i've been so blessed Mm. like it just doesn't match up like if if god had wanted to do anything with me i'm like probably the wrong candidate is like the way i'm thinking about it Mm -hmm. right even though it's not true i just that's the way i like i was rationalized i was just like man if i line up all the mistakes i made and line up all the things i've been given (coughs) it doesn't really add up yeah i've been given so much more and it's like if if it's not for like there must be something more to it like it it must be that my life has to exist for the sake of like other people you know Mm -hmm. like that was just kind of like how i ended my my uh journal entry was like okay like i could do all the things wrong like i know it because i've done it (laughs) like i've done all the things wrong and god still has blessed my life so much and has given me so much if i've lived my life for the sake of other people my life was a success like hands down Mm. you know and like that's just kind of the way i ended it and it was Mm. just like you know now that you mentioned that yeah earlier so you were counting your blessings Uh, and knowing that you didn't deserve them and you came to a conclusion that it's for a greater mission that you're meant to be a blessing that's scripture right (laughs) there but yeah that but that reflection i think that's what it is like right it's so easy to hoard as christians and to get comfortable Mm -hmm. but god is saying in the beginning of the year like hey let's let's do this right you know like I have blessed you and I will bless you, but let's do this so that you can be a blessing to others. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yes, I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's that's really cool. I mean, cause like, it's like when like, I think like one of the pictures that I'm getting about like the whole prodigal story is like you know they just kind of like, you know, the father hugs the son when he comes back and they're like yeah let's party. But then, like, the dinner table must have been really awkward, you know, like, a little bit. They're just kind of, mm-hmm. like, sitting there, like, um, so how was that time you've been away, right? And, uh-huh. Like, I'm sure it's, like, difficult to, like, really, like, talk about, like, uh-huh. all the stuff that might cause, like, his father shame or something like that. But it's just kind of, like, but, like, the, the, I guess what I'm trying to describe is kind of, like, in love that there still is, like, that really strong tension because there's genuine 
care and like love and concern and like <laughs> wait so joe you think that the father waited there for years <laughs> and when the son finally years. yeah okay uh, time frame not given right but yeah. like when the son finally came in and they were having a party he <laughs> asked him how were things when you were away yeah you know i'm wow, sure he was curious you know okay but it's uh, okay yeah what i'm trying what i'm trying to get it is like it's like <laughs> That's how, because like kind of going back to like the story you shared about when you're visiting your friend at the pharmacy, it's like there's so much you want to say or you can't get out, but you're just kind of like, oh, how are things? Or like, what you been up to? You know, but it's like, there's still so much like love at the table. Like, I'm sure like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and like, I bring it up because like, I think even though those, those kind of moments are like almost painful, like to like be pre- present and like, I just watched the Mr. Rogers movie, you know, and it's like. Uh-huh to see that mr rogers comes to the bedside of like a dying man and mm. his family is just like no spoiler alert sorry i should have said that before spoiler alert. um it's like he's he's a person that's like willing to sit through so much like so much like negative feelings i guess is the best way to put it <laughs> for like love's sake uh-huh. you know and like that's kind of how i picture like that moment with the sons and like the dad like the father that was been waiting it's just like there's there's so many emotions that just can't be captured in words sitting there even though it's like tense and like weird and it's like you're at the crossroads of being lost and found um but like what's really cool for me with like 2020 and dr sam it's kind of like oh god wants us to be those people right like that are like willing to sit with people through whether whatever they're suffering or like li- actually like live life with people like not just like the good times and like the pleasant times like you know wait and hope with people and like love people through their stories and stuff like that. does this make sense am i making sense here no i'm still stuck at how you said <laughs> that the father's going to ask him so how was it because <laughs> i can't imagine it like that oh really yeah it's I guess funny. I, I guess that's like how I. Maybe that's how your family dynamic. Maybe I mean I was just like <laughs> I imagine like if I like if I was like the prodigal son right and like I disappeared for X amount of time and I came back because like this is kind of what happens with me and my friends when I don't see them for a long time I'm just kind of like oh I'm so happy to see this person but what you been up to you know like what like what's what's been up with your life these days mm. kind of and it's just. <laughs> No, does that not make sense? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you watched enough um, K K dramas. <laughs> no, does does that not happen in Korean dramas? I don't know. Is that what happens in your home? You come oh. back from making mistakes, and your parents will sit you down. Well, I don't think love. my parents knew how many mistakes I made, but you know, like, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know, we can't really know what was said or what was not said. Right, right. That's how I imagine it. it could be wrong. It's like just think but speaking of that party right yeah, yeah. and the one who couldn't enter out of bitterness uh-huh. and um i loved what sam said at you know in ministry time and yes i want to refer people back to that to pray together mm-hmm. with that time but you know he talked about <clears throat> you know i mean there's books written about this Henry now wrote a book called homecoming right and a call to become the father. Mm. But this is really the gospel, right? And I liked how 
Sam talked about how when we come to Christ, we're so sure we come as prodigal sons. Mm-hmm. Like, Father, I have failed you. I have, you know, sinned against you. And we're so certain of it. And mm-hmm. then it's almost like you live in the house and you become like the elder brother. Like, oh, why is that dude coming in? Like, yep. what has he done? Like, what, ha- what hasn't he done, yeah. you know? And kind of like our attitude about grace changes. Mm, yeah. And it becomes very merit-based. And, you know, when... Yeah, so it to look at it as a transition of almost like you go from realizing to almost it seems so intellectual and mature because you know better, but actually mm-hmm. Bible makes it very clear that spiritual maturity is not about knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Yeah. So it's really about loving. So really you get like that all heady, but the call is in that process of maturing, you're becoming like the father. Right. So addressing that part, I think that is such a great call too of grace to address those feelings that we may have and Mm. those attitudes that we may have, you know, being in the father's house, you Mm. know, Um, how we feel about all that said and done all the annoyance of things that have been said and unsaid and done, you know, I think it is a call of grace to kind of, to examine those parts, like, who am I in that story? Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognize the calling to be like the Father, you yeah. know? I think that is such a great call too for the new year as well, for mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. To examine those parts so that we can welcome like the father did. Hmm. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like it's like a natural no, I don't I don't know if it's a natural progression, but I've I've caught myself kind of feeling like the prod like the son that left and then being the older brother. I still feel like I'm the older brother the majority of the time. Trying to be like the father. Yeah, I think it's I think we oftentimes, because there's so much doing and not, you know, we speak of effort, but I think there are people who become callous too, you know, in the mission. Yeah. When things don't go smoothly and as a result, it becomes like a heartless fight Mm -hmm. and love gets forgotten. But I think the only way to even overcome, um, entitlement and fears and fear of what you might be losing fear of comparison like all these things is also again comes back to love Mm. you know the difference between the older brother and the father is that the father was full of love from the beginning to when he to when he came back Mm. to the end of the story whereas the elder brother um was really without love yeah it all became about counting and, you know, checking off. And so it's a, it's really a call to love. Hmm. Being a father, being like the father is really a call to love. Right. And learning how to love. Do you think that this, that's not as simple as it sounds? I mean, because... 
It's not. It's not right. No. It doesn't like I I understand it, but it's really hard to do, or like. I guess like learning how to love, or like, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask like, do you think like we already know how to love? It's just like blocked by a bunch of stuff from our lives, or do you, do you think like we have to relearn how to love? Like, do I think it's both? Yeah, I think I think innately we're meant we're created to be loved mm. because there's a huge hole that could only be filled by love right. from God. And love of others, but it's also love is not only instinctual, but it is something that has to be learned. Hmm. And I think it's both. Right. Okay. Because there, I would say there are people who love really well. And then there are people who are still learning Mm -hmm. how to love, you know? And I don't think it's a difference of skill, but I think it's really about, um, I guess the direction and trajectory of someone's heart and life. Mm. Like some people have not been loved and have not known love. And as a result, kind of live a loveless life. Yeah. But when introduced to God and Christ's love, that love pours in. So you, there is, you are being reborn in your ability to love, but also you are being poured in knowledge of mm. that love that you didn't know before. Mm. So that love is really what, brings life change Hmm. i don't think life change ever happens when there isn't love so it has to be present has to be present it is the only thing that equates to life change Hmm. like how is it life change if it has nothing to do with the love of god is it truly life change Hmm. you know what i mean yeah just reclaiming the definition of life change because right. i know we say life change but what is really life change it's being transformed by the love of god right it's like not even necessarily like a circumstance change or like a situational change it's like you're you're being who you are is ultimately just completely flipped around like if you like is is kind of is that what you're like going from yeah. a place of um being filled with hurt and mm. wounds and bitterness and being able to forgive your enemies and the ones who have hurt you mm, that's yeah. not possible without love right that definitely requires love yeah yeah um you could get a promotion but mm. that's not life change yeah someone's life could go from a very plateau place um financially and to an increasing place mm. but that's not their lives may change, but that's not life change. That yeah, yeah I guess loosely lo- used there's life change of all sorts, but mm. transformation of the heart could only happen. Yeah. Because of the love of God. Right. Like their living may have changed, but their like actual life, like who they are. Has, yeah, the soul. Yeah. Like the it requires love to change. Yeah. It's the only way. Right. So, yeah, yeah. and that's why um, the mission exists, because life change is is impossible apart from the love of God. Hmm. Um, I guess I just have, just for clarity's purposes, clarity's purpose, (laughs) um, you know, I think like one of the ways in which was presented to us to really kind of tackle this issue head on or like to, um, I guess you know, how we can get started with like reaching 
uh, the lost and found is like through vulnerability, right? And like just kind of like going off of the conversation about love, um, it it kind of starts from being at a place of vulnerability, right? Like if the prodigal son had to be in a vulnerable place in order for him to recognize his need and for him to recognize that he needs to come back, right? It's like that is also <coughs> part of that language of love, right? Like it's that it's like in those moments of vulnerability that we can really have love conversations and life-changing conversations. Yeah. Well, in in text it says when he came to his senses. Mm. So there is an awakening of need. Mm. Because I think we could go for a long time with in denial about things, but I guess when his denial broke and he realized that he was in need mm. and he came to a census, right. he came back home. Mm. Yeah. So there is, I think, in the effort part, I think there is, um, we can pray for that, but also um, making it very clear that we're waiting with open arms and loving them and walking with them with open arms, I think is mm. really important. It sounds so cliche, but like, you know, more and more I think about it. And as I get a little bit older, like love is like the only thing that really can make an impact. Mm. God's love is the only thing that could really melt awkwardness and history of mistakes. I guess that's why I laugh. Like maybe there was a conversation, but about you know your depiction of the uh, the table yeah but i just wonder if um cuz i feel like love covers over sin mm. so there is a language of love of gathering around where sometimes discussion is unnecessary it's like so tell me about that oh i told you i, I yeah. you know there's different i guess but i just can't imagine that <laughs> conversation but I mean, again, that's for imagination, but yeah. Because I think when people come to their senses, when we come to our senses about the thing that is most important that we've been the most stubborn about, it's almost like words are not necessary sometimes, I feel like. Mm. Because it is just so clear what you've been in denial about. Mm. And what you've been fighting against that you've been in denial that you are fighting against. I think it is that visceral and that um, the soul matter is like that, um, I guess, at the center of all things. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's why love is powerful because it kind of breaks through the shame of things unmentioned. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. because it's so, it's so clear in your head. And you know what this is all about? This is, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'm just imagining it. But yeah, love is just so powerful, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, so when I talked to Dr. Sammy a little bit afterwards, mm. um, he was like, I think this is going to be like a pretty big year for people that have come and gone from like God, mm -hmm. right? Like for the, for the prodigal, he feels like, he feels very strongly that, mm -hmm. you know, this could be like a very like momentous year of people returning to faith and to mm -hmm. God. Um, just wondering if you have any 
thoughts or do you feel the same way about that or you know you know i think what was special is like i always assume it but yeah. what was special is that i was reawakened to it mm -hmm. and the story of the prodigal and i i'm being very anal right now but like this prodigal is not about people returning to recommit yeah it is about the story of people who are not in the father's house in whatever shape and form coming home mm -hmm. so it could be the atheist who thought there's no place for discovery in the church for him or her mm -hmm. coming to that place where he is wondering about whether there is god is alive or not mm -hmm. it is about the agnostic it is about the cultural Christian. It is about the person who once walked with Christ, but because of a mistake of some sort, walked away. So it is about the return of all lost, lost sons and daughters mm. being found. So yeah, the mission is assumed, but it's so refreshing to me to hear it. And I think that's why the preaching of the word is so important and to hear it, to, and hearing it is so important mm. because, you know, like Josh says to me, you know, in Sunday school, they read through the children's Bible. Mm -hmm. And by now, like they read through like the second one, second time or three times already. Yeah. And every time he'll be like, you know, mom, we kind of finished the Bible. <laughs> um, I'm like, oh, really? Good. Read it again. Yeah. And we we're having this talk once and he's like, because you know, those stories, you don't stop reading them like you would with, I don't know, the series that kids, you know, yeah. that you would read, but you go back to it because God speaks to, through those stories again and again. And then I think it was like an interesting concept for him because mm -hmm. he couldn't, he, he understands because he's learning about God and yeah. And how God works, that it's not like a school where you graduate per se. Yeah. He knows that it's about a relationship. And why I mentioned Josh, it, my point being, it's refreshing. You think you know, hmm. because you know it already. You think you already know everything because you've heard it all. Done, you know, it's been said. Hmm. But it was refreshing for me to be reawakened to the mission. It's the same mission that we live for, right. that I live for personally, that we collectively live for as a community, as a church of, G you know, of Christ in the world. But yet we tend to forget mm. and why the preaching of the word is so powerful and why reading of the word is so powerful. It's not, you don't graduate from the knowledge or skimming through the pages mm. or, because you once heard it, we need to be reminded again. Yeah. So for me, it was refreshing in that way. It mm. is an assumed vision, but this is the thing about what's amazing about living a life led by the Spirit mm. is that you're not reliving other people's stories, but God is writing the story and He's writing history as you live it, you know? Mm. So as we live and as we do the mission, it is not like a recap of the first movement of a sonata. Like it's not a recap of what already happened. Mm. It's a new narrative. Same vision, but new narrative of what God is writing through all of us. Mm. Like we are the living letters. Yeah. So I am excited 
because of the reminder of the vision. But I'm really excited because I know that when God reminds people of things, it's because he's doing something. So there's a movement of God, like a movement of the spirit of God. Hmm. And there's mobilizing. And so 2020, although it's another year, we could say, but because God is alive and he's at work and because we're following his vision, it's going to be very different. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's like me off tangent. But again, I think it's just a reminder because, and this is why I think we do the mission so that even though people are not recommitting per se or saying, okay, I'm, p- people are not coming to church because they already believe. Mm. But people come not having believed so that they could be on the process to hear the word of God, to hear the gospel. Yeah. Because in hearing it comes faith. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I'm making minor points, but also major points about how exciting that is mm. and why we want people to come to a place where we're not trying to finish their process by welcoming people back, but we're just helping them continue the process, whether atheists, agnostics, or believers, or, you know, mm. where people might be in their journey. Right. As we are, as um, the body of Christ and as believers inside are still growing to learn to love like the Father. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's very humbling to be able to realize that, that you could know something but be so calloused about it and dead about it. Mm-hmm. To know something in your head but for your heart to come alive through faith in action for something that God is doing. Mm-hmm. That's exciting, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that's what I was talking about with Josh. Mm. Because he's learning not morals, but lessons of the people who have walked with God. Yeah. And the stories and the narratives of God through the children's Bible. But he also... Every time he reads it, he himself is growing because he sees how God is alive in his life. Yeah. So that is why the church exists. And as a community that is so much, you know, I think the fact that the community exists so that people could return home is such a powerful statement Mm. because, you know, I think about so many things I wouldn't do because it's not really my natural tendency Mm-hmm. But the things that I'm willing to do because I know that I'm surrounded by people, mm-hmm. like-minded people, um, that's it's a, it's a vast difference of action that you would normally not take. Yeah. An effort you would make that you normally would not make. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking about recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not... I would normally not do certain things that I am doing right now mm. that I may, people might even like, you know, think, oh, that's what Pastor Lydia does. I wouldn't do those things because it too, left to my own self of my own comfort and shyness and all sorts of things of how I am, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't step foot into those things. But I do it, I do what I do, even in the discomfort of and the tension, because I belong to this community. I alone would not. Mm. So I think community has a way of easing 
the pressure easing the tension yeah. and is also the reason why we want people to belong to a community of faith yeah. and not just live out their faith alone mm. listening to a podcast or you know having church in their own you know living room or bedroom yeah. by themselves because we're meant for a community of faith yeah but it's definitely better together yeah, yeah. it is like so so effective yeah together right so it is a welcoming into all of those things yeah there's a strengthening part i remember sam used to give us um when he was a youth pastor a while back he would give this um message about how community is like a spare tire he might not use that illustration now per se but to really emphasize it he said it's like a spare tire you know, you could be doing all sorts of things right and moving along, but when you get a flat tire, yeah. you need the community of God. Right. And if you've ever had a flat tire, you know what that... You either get stranded mm-hmm. or you continue on the on your trip Yeah. Um, based on the fact that you had a spare tire. Yeah. And it is like the community. It's when something gives out... Like the community is able to carry us yeah. through, kind of like ants. Like yeah. they say, they're able to lift things that are ten times their body weight yeah. of their body weight because also they do it together. Yeah. So yeah, community is powerful. Community of faith. So there is an invitation into the community of faith to process where you are in faith. Hmm. If you're listening and you feel far, like. You know, our community is full of people that didn't go to high school together, per se, that didn't go to med school together, per se, that don't have the same jobs. People are in all sorts of different job categories and interests, but we're all very different walks of people who met Christ, who are searching for Christ, Mm -hmm. who are living for Christ, all sorts um, that came together because of this one reason. Yeah which is the exploration of Christ and living out for Christ. Mm -hmm. So we're all very different people who met and um, spend time together and live life together because of that one reason. Right. Right? True. Yeah. So if you feel like, oh, I don't really know if I belong, you know, in a community or, you know, and this is not just the story of art our community but it is the story of god's community everywhere it's full of people that normally would not be in the same club same you know school same job or same interest but people who have come together because of the reason of christ yeah that is what makes up the body of christ so Mm -hmm. if you feel like you know i don't know if i would belong there well you do because we were all once at that point you know, mm-hmm. and we were all once at that point where we wanted to give up faith. Some yeah. of some were more honest about it and walk. You know, actually took action. Some were not as honest about it and blatant about it, and are struggling through it. So it's like, you, I guess, not without minimizing what you're going through. I guess I just want to say that you're not alone in your struggle. Yeah. If what you're going through is has not been expressed and has not been exposed as a result, I assure you there's someone in the community of faith somewhere that also 
is or has or you know repeatedly has <coughs> gone through that hmm. so yeah you know i loved also what sam said about if we don't share about what god has done and how god has been writing our story yeah and not just the bad i think that oftentimes we like to tell sap stories so that we can relate mm-hmm. but also you know tell stories of how good god has been in the process right i think also it will be encouraging for others and it would quicken others faith to take a step closer yeah and to re-engage and also um increase hope right i agree i think like a lot of the times it's harder to weigh your heart on your sleeve um just because it's like kind of uncomfortable and maybe there's like things that have happened where that didn't go your way quote unquote or favorably um but it was <coughs> excuse me it was also in those moments that you do engage with your heart and your sleeve and vulnerable and sharing your stories when true friendships are made um friendships that you wouldn't have necessarily thought to have had with people like my closest friends today are people that are very unlike me and just kind of going back to what you were saying like dr sammy always says we're a mosaic of people all kind of like on the same poster board (coughs) of one image which is like of christ like that's that's like what we're about like very different Mm -hmm. stories backgrounds like jobs you know all that stuff but we're all united and we're all like in relationship with one another for this one mission and um yeah i think that's only really possible when you do like kind of speak that language of love and you do share your story and you are because like i think about it and you know towards like the latter portion of this the previous decade it's like i realized i've been reserving my story like i've just been like not wanting to engage with people as much or like it was just maybe i was just too hyper focused on like things i had to do and like felt that i didn't have enough time or like capacity for people but i think it's just largely because of me like whatever i was going through whatever burns or whatever uh broken relationships that have come from being Mm -hmm. too open or like too vulnerable i don't know if there's such a thing as too vulnerable but like Mm -hmm. Maybe I wasn't ready for the grief and the loss of that vulnerability um, kind of going sour. Um, but it was those moments that in, on the other side of the scale, it's like w- where love and friendship is abundant, um, where life change really does happen, where you can really feel known and understood. And, you know, and that's like what a community is for. And like, that's what that's why we do it together and like it's really hard trying to live life on your own you know i think all the bad decisions i made i made on my own (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. with the help of some other that's true yeah (laughs) i can testify to that (laughs) i made a lot of bad decisions on my own but it's like it's always like when i have the trust of people that i can talk to about very serious and vulnerable things it's like it's just better you know like there's undeniably better fruit undeniably better uh life that's being lived with others right and that's like such a beautiful thing and i'm like i'm before you asked if i was excited or if that was exciting i was like that's very exciting you know it's i think it is because it just seems like 
there's so much hope to be had and there's so much that we can do and we can participate in and like be a part of so that we can uh continue to do what god is doing in people's lives and it's the mission has always been the same but it's it's who we can become and who we're becoming so that we can continue and you know keep this mission going as long as we can you know and i'm very excited to see a lot of people that may have feel like they were categorized as prodigals or you know not ready to return or whatever reasons that prevents them from coming to church to really find faith again you know i think if there's anything that's more important than you know that someone has the best kind of life they can live with god right like I don't I don't think there's a more important thing than for people to really have that relationship with the Lord. Mm. Yes. So you know, I guess a practical application is to actually make a list. Mm. A mental list is great. Yeah. But <clears throat> I tend to forget <clears throat> even the most important things that were on my list. Mm. Or people on my list just because, you know, year goes by, holidays yeah. and, you know, days off and mm. activities and you kind of forget, yeah. you know. So, you know, in the beginning of the year, make a list, pray about God, who have I forgotten and neglected? Who have I crossed out? Um, invite God into that process and ask the Lord, like, help me remember even those that I don't want to remember. Mm. Help me remember the people that I have forgotten because I thought they're just too far from faith, from Christianity. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been, um, I don't know, like Buddhists all their lives. You know, their culture, they, they will never, ever attempt. I mean, don't cross people off like that, yeah. but bring them all on the list. And you know what? Keep that list. And it is not a list of checkoff of perfection and how much you have won. It is a list of process and mm. pray over that list, you know, and if in the process, because you're putting your heart in, um, it gets difficult and it gets frustrating. Give God those frustrations so that you can love well mm. and keep the list and start inviting them out, you know, um, start sharing your story Let's start sharing our story of what God has done, who God is Mm -hmm. with them. And let's put in effort this year Mm -hmm. towards that list. And I think it becomes more tangible. I mean, it's just one way of doing it. And there is the way of, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and what. But I think think I've heard someone say, you don't really, nothing is really real until you write it down. Or I've heard that said, like, Oh, I think it's all the um, health videos I've been watching. But I think majority of the success stories say you usually write down what you eat. You write down your workout. And unless you write it down, it's not really substantial. (laughs) I mean, maybe that spoke to me because that's kind of how I operate. Uh Like if I don't, I actually write it down somewhere and I keep... um, keep a log of it of where i am at and all of it so um 
Actually, I think I stopped writing, and that's why I want to stop going to the gym. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Correlation, but, correlation, maybe. Yeah, but like, I guess I'm making the point. Like, let's not just imagine it yeah. happening, but let's do whatever it takes to make an effort right. towards it. Yeah, even like the smallest thing, like writing people's names down, is like yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mr. Really. Rogers does that. Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, he and that, he yeah. does short prayers for them. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great point because we God doesn't need lofty prayers from us. He doesn't True. need long prayers. He just needs you to connect to God about that person and just by their name, yeah. because God operates through things, many things unsaid because yeah. He already understands. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean that's just a practical application, hmm. and also maybe just. Praying with your spouse, like praying with your partner about your friends in mm-hmm. your circle um, that you thought, oh, I don't know, I don't think so. Yeah. Or, you know, another category is like parents. I think there are a lot of people that have come to Christ who say, my parents are kind of far and, you know, they've always been this Buddhist mm-hmm. culture, all these things. Don't count them out, you know. Your friend didn't count you out when they asked you to come to hear the story of christ and um his love for you so even then like i guess i guess the emphasis is on don't count people out yeah you know i've been asking people what is your one word for the year and the word that you know sam and i have been other than effort effort is an action word but that's one of the words but other than effort the word that we've been really really um dreaming about focusing about is impossible yeah right it's to there are things that are impossible in our own strength but there are things that nothing is impossible with god therefore it is worth noteworthy to mention their name to Mm. mention these things and for deepening dependence for the dreams of god that he has because if we can make them happen, well, God is the one waiting. Yeah. And he, let's partner with him, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's make it happen this year, all the things. And so we could look back at the end of the year and reflect of all the answer prayers and the process where people are, might not, be, they may be on the verge of coming to Christ, but they might not have fully come to Christ. But, are on the process because of effort, mm. because of the impossible. So I think that would be a great, 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 great story. Yeah. Great stories and by then, 2021. Yeah. 2021. Yes. It's going to be a big year. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I want to say this again, like the ministry time was so powerful for me and it was just so powerful for all of us. And, um, as you tune out of this part, um, tune in to the ministry time. It is just so powerful. And let's pray together mm. this year of our transformation of becoming like the Father yeah. and of others returning back to the Father wherever people might be in their faith journey. Mm. So, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And let's have a great year together. Yes, Amen. Thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. Bye. And looking forward to a great 2020 with you guys. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) In 2020, I want to see our prodigals 
returning home and being embraced by us, not judged by us. loved by us. So will you lift your hands today to the Lord? Will you offer your hands and your heart and your voice this year? Will you not be distracted by prosperity this year? Be like, okay, I want to be rich. I want to be successful. I want to do this. I Will you listen to the voice of God for the mission that he's on? The mission that he's always on? That's why we're a community joining him to restore the beauty in all things. Father, we pray that as our friends, our family, Come to their senses. We pray that they would come to their senses this year and that we would be a family that would welcome all, no matter of their choices. No matter where, no matter of shame that, that prevents them. They would come home. Holy Spirit, we pray today show us the faces of those you are calling us to reach this year. Pray for our own cynicism, our own judgment, our own frustration. prevents us from the work you might be doing. The whole progression of, of Christian maturity is that when we look at Luke 15, we're all the younger brother. We're all prodigals. We've all left the house of God. We've all made dumb decisions out of desperation or thought we were smart and then it led to despair and pain. Then we come back to the Father. Somehow in that picture we become the older brother and we become very brooding and judgmental and think like we're like all that in a bag of chips. I don't know. It's like we become religious and sort of that's the next phase, you know, of, of of Christianity, then you get like into theology and you start arguing about stupid things in theology and and then you become about you become the other brother, you don't want to go into the party. You know, but the goal of the prodigal son is to emulate the father. Christian maturity is becoming like God the Father who welcomes both of his sons. And that's my prayer as we begin this year, that we become more like the Father. I pray that we'll turn a page from 2019. 19. <laughs> I'll turn a page from that mistake. And um, 
into 2020 would become like the Father. I pray that anyone who comes into our community will feel welcomed back or for the first time. Because if we're going to error as a church, I'd rather error on the side of grace. Because the Bible says there's no limit to how much grace we can give someone. And sometimes it's grace, it's the kindness of God that changes someone's heart. So this year I pray that would error in grace in many ways. We would give people too many chances, too much forgiveness. Too much prayers. We will bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 